Zane Lowe, Apple Music. Hey everyone, this is Zane. It's time for another conversation. Let's dive straight into it. If you've ever spent any time listening to the music from Alicia Keys, or if you've been lucky enough to see her in concert, or even better, gotten a chance to meet her briefly or spend any time in her presence, then you'll recognize that she is a graceful human, a charming human, but never at the expense of her opinion or a steadfast commitment to doing what is right. It's a magic balance. But what I've never heard or seen in Alicia before through her music or in conversation is this vulnerability, this desire for self-awareness to push through to find a place where she better understands herself and not through the lens of us as fans or the industry or the people that support her, but a very direct conversation with herself to better understand who Alicia Keys really is outside of the performer, the artist, the advocate and the activist. What we get out of that experience is an incredible new album called Alicia. What Alicia Keys gets out of that experience is all of the learnings and understandings that go into making it. And that's what this conversation really dives into, is the brand new album Alicia, a companion piece to her brilliant new book, which is called More Myself, and the journey that she's been on to better understand where she stands at this point in her life, all the success she's achieved in her personal life. On the outside, things couldn't look better, but there were still questions unanswered. We're about to get some answers. This is my latest and easily the most in-depth and interesting conversation that I've ever had with the incredible, incomparable Alicia Keys. I hope you like it. This is the closest I've been to anyone outside of my little circle for six months. Same. And I'm glad that the first opportunity to get to sit in a room with someone and not be on FaceTime for the rest of my life is with you. Yay! That's why I was like, come on, if we can make this happen. Well, totally. It'd be and it's so good. There's multiple reasons for it. One, obviously, I'm super fond of you and I'm a big fan. And Thank I love you. your husband as well. And I yes. just love the way you guys move. And we'll get to that. Okay. But also, we've never had a chance, you and I, to probably dive in. Not as true. That, that's, that is. And I've been waiting. Right. I've been waiting for this opportunity. I'm glad it's around this album, self-titled of sorts. And the first question is probably the most obvious question. I'll get out of the way straight away. Being in a room now with people you know or don't know, when you haven't been able to do that, what were the things that really struck you that you immediately yearned for that perhaps you took for granted in the last six months? Prior to the last six months, I definitely took for granted um, stillness, just like how good it is to be in one place to be able to really dig in, dive in, stay put. I don't know if it's a very American philosophy or if it's a very, I'm not New York mind state. I'm trying to figure out what it is, but there's a certain mind state that the busier you are, the better you are. And, And that's a lie. That's a real live lie. And so this time to just be still because you can't be busy if you try it. I mean, you could, you know, you could zoom all you want in the shore. You can still have a lot of to do over zoom, but the moving, why, why did we have to rush so much? And how come we had to fill our gas tank that many times and fly that many times a year and put that much gas in the sea and like all these things, definitely the stillness I took for granted. I, I took for granted like the, you know, what it means to actually have your hub and have your space with your people there and that you always showing up for each other no matter what and you're figuring out the hard things and you're talking through. A lot of the times, moving so fast, I'm always concerned about am I missing some of these conversations? Am I missing some of these moments with my family, you know? You've been busy nonetheless. You know, this book arrived uh, and not your first 
time in the written word and, and expressing yourself. You know, you've done so creatively before, but this is different. This is really diving into your life and sharing at a moment in your life. Like, this is who I am and this is where I've been to get where I'm going. But it felt like it was a desire for growth. That's why you called it a journey. Like, mm-hmm. it was more for you in a weird way. People always say that about writing, but this really felt like it was your experience, whether it came out or not. Yeah, I mean, more myself, I guess it's been what I've what I've been looking for, for ever, you know? And I guess it's what we're all looking for in a way. You know, how do we figure out who we are? Who are we? And how do you figure that out when it's so noisy, there's so many people telling you how to be, so many people telling you what you shouldn't be, what you shouldn't do, how you shouldn't look, how you shouldn't act. Who actually encourages you to find out who you are? Nobody. If you think about it, has anybody ever said to you, you know, rarely do you find people that say, you know, this is what I feel, but how, how do you respond to this? You know, it's very rare that you find these relationships that you can actually honor your truth or are asked to search for it. A lot of the times you're kind of pushed to blend in or, you know, do what's expected and you feel awkward if you even have a dissenting point of view. And for me, I fell right into that whole trap. Oh, I felt so good into that trap because I was so young. I was, you know... 14 years old, the first time that I was ever even signed. And when the first record came out, I was 18 years old. And and it was like, wow, it was just, that was it. I had to pretend so much the majority of the time that I knew what I was doing. I pretended I knew what I was doing for so much of the time. I didn't know what I was doing. It's such a conflicting space to be in because you start this journey to find out something about yourself, to go on a journey of self-discovery. That's the art of writing songs, creating art, expressing yourselves, writing whatever it is then your talent jumps in front of your desire because your talent is the loudest thing in the room, not your experience. You don't have enough of that yet. Everyone recognizes your talent, and talent is a commodity. So they're like, well, we know what to do with this talent, and then your experience becomes their experience. And the craziest part is at some point you don't even know if what you're doing is for you or is it for the person that is next to you. It's a slow burn. And you think it's for you, but as you start to live, you start to discover, man, a lot of this was for you. And of course, there's a flow there and there's an ebb there and it benefits both. And of course, there's an energy exchange, which I really believe in energy is so powerful. But you can, and I did, turn around and I was so concerned with pleasing everybody, so concerned with saying the right thing, so concerned with, you know, not kind of getting caught up or tripped up in the people you know, trying to have their sensational headlines. I was so cautious and so protected and so had such a wall that was perfect. Who are you underneath all that? What is your opinion? Do you even know what your opinion is? And I found that, no, I didn't. And that was not good. But it took me a long time to even know I didn't have an opinion because I thought I was quite opinionated. I'm like, woman's worth, right? I'm for the... But underneath it all, I was quite... mm, Insecure. When you say that, it, it, I totally identify with that for my own reasons. You know, like, what is my opinion? I don't know. I'm scared to share it. When did you lose your bravery, right, to truly say what you think and what you feel in moment in time because you were worried that the repercussions outweighed the value of your opinion? <sighs> so deep, so deep. This is so deep. Um, I feel like I think about this a lot. I specifically think about this a lot with, with the Alicia album. And that's why I feel so strongly about calling this work Alicia, because I feel like I have 
for the first time, been most fully myself now. In the beginning, I was very myself. I really was. I, I was, although I was unsure of this crazy world that I was in and I definitely didn't know the rules or how to do it or exactly what I was doing, I was very sure of myself. I knew that I was a young woman. I was, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm boyish. I'm not trying to be all pretty and girly. I got my piano. I got my songs. I got my braids. Don't try to make me do this. Don't talk to me about that. Don't bring me no flower dresses and shit. This is me. Take me or leave me. I don't care. And then success came. And I had never been successful before. And everybody was there. And, every, and I was going places I'd never been before. And I was meeting people I'd never met before. And they were telling me things I never heard before. And I was having experiences that I would never have experienced before. And people liked what I did. And so then when it came time to do it again, for the first time in my life, I had been exposed to what it feels like when people like what you do. And then you start to think, well, what if people don't like what I do? Then what? And you don't mean to find yourself in this place where suddenly you care so much about what people think or their approval of you or what they say about you. I mean, God forbid someone said, oh, Alicia did. And this was even prior, like, crazy social media. I mean, we weren't even in this yeah. level of social media. Because, yeah. damn, I don't know what I would have done. Hit under a rock. I mean, I might have been... What so I feel for people who have to grow up under that level of scrutiny. It's a freak out, man. It's a freak out. And so I, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, many of us can be paralyzed and not even realize it. And I think that that's what happened to me in a lot of ways. I became kind of paralyzed with wanting to make sure because look the ultimate vision for an artist is that you love what an artist does i know this is interesting though because they, most artists and the desire to perform or to express oneself comes from a space unfulfilled and that there is a missing piece of a puzzle somewhere that you're searching for which sets you on a journey to try and fill that puzzle to become complete <laughs> And I wonder, in the process of more myself and getting to Alicia, whether you finally identified what the original inspiration behind you becoming an artist was in the first place. You know what? This is going to be one of those interviews, you see? <laughs> okay, this is therapy. Thank you. I'll take it. Because I could use some therapy, y'all. Um, you know, yes, I do. I'm very clear about it now but I never knew it. And I realized that I have deeply struggled with feelings of self-worth. And that came from my mother and father. They, you know, my father didn't raise me. My mother raised me. I think I definitely was always looking for his love, you know, to some degree. And feeling like I, I, I could never really access it for many different reasons. And I think that started to give me insecurities. And my mother is also a very, very strong-minded woman, mostly out of necessity, because to survive New York City streets as a single mother, it's hard as hell with a daughter, you know? So out of necessity, she's very um, emotions on her sleeve. And so then I had to accommodate for her and always kind of fix and dodge and make things right. And somehow I lost my voice in there. 
because I always had to accommodate for the protection of that relationship. To allow that relationship to function, I had to accommodate her because her style was her own and she took up a lot of space in the room. You know what I mean? And so I learned that behavior. And so topped on top of, I think, the fact that I felt maybe unloved by my father, although I never admitted it. I didn't feel like I did because I was like, well, I don't really even know you, so how could I feel loved or unloved by someone you don't really know? I did. And so I felt I created and started to discover an insecurity that I carried with me my whole... I mean, literally, it's been maybe four years that I finally don't hold that anymore. And it affected everything. It affected the choices I made. It affected... My, my, how I viewed my worth, it, it affected the, the, the things that I asked for. I asked for always very little. I didn't want to do too much. I didn't want to ask for too much. I didn't even want to have too much. I felt guilty if I had too much. That's the hole I was looking to fulfill. And also the, I was very worried financially all the time. I always felt like I would lose it all financially, that I, I had such a weight on my shoulders to provide for my family and for to be, you know, to be good. And, and because we came from just, you know, rubbing everything together and trying to create a miracle out of whatever, and my mother always working so hard and by herself making everything happen, I was always so scared about, like, losing on a, from a financial point of view. And I, I actually had to turn my mind around on that. I had to work hard to turn my mind around on that because I was realizing that I was attracting lack. So it's, it, it's, it's a cycle. It's an ill space to be in. And, and, you know, I didn't really recognize those things then. I see them now, clear as day. But then I, I, didn't, I didn't understand. Well, you learned them at the perfect time because as a parent, as an mm. artist, as a partner, and as a human— to come to those realizations and have so much life to live yes. is a blessing. Yes. Because now you get to share them not only with those closest to you, but with us, your fans, through your music. And that's where Alicia comes into play. Yes. Um, and yes. Come on, lead it, Zane. Well, you lit it. <laughs> Truth without love is what? <sighs> Truth without love is just a lie. It's just a lie. That line was like, and you save it to the end. And it's so brutal the way you just save it to the end. Like, oh, it's powerful, that one. It's a beautiful way to start the record. You produced the whole album yourself, but you collaborated with others very much in your wheelhouse to do yes, so. Yes. I don't know half the people. So There's a bit of a guessing game going on as to who worked on what part of the record. Right. But that feels like your husband might have had something to do with that one. Truth Without Love? Yeah. You know, that's, uh, 15, that that's 1500 or nothing. Right, okay, okay. And, um... And myself in in dream, and actually, this thing about Swizzy that's so amazing about him is that he just creeps up in spots and just <laughs> he's there at the moment that he's supposed to be there. And yeah. in that particular song, you know, we were we were talking through this this energy of how much people want from you and try to sway the story, you know, to be in their best interests and all of these things. And he was much a part about that, a part of that conversation. And so we were like having this conversation. And he goes away and we're writing. And Dream is killing it because Dream is such a special dude. Unbelievable. Like Jesus. 
Yeah. Seriously. And we had never worked together before. And he was like, man, Alicia, this is like on my book. Like, this is my bucket list right here. I can't believe we never worked together. And, and so we were in there just creating this magic. And we were stuck on the hook. And Swizzy comes back in. And he's like, oh, well, well. And he does this voice. Like, him. You don't think he's going to start singing, but this is what he does. And this is what makes his music so crazy. Because he literally creates every part of it. Yeah. So he jumps out something, hit him in the spirit, and was like, you know, we grabbed onto it, and it set us off in a whole nother place. So even though he wasn't technically, like, the producer and this and that, he has this way of, like, being a part of things. I'll take it, because I just felt some of his <laughs> DNA in there. I could just you know feel I mean? it. And also, you're different. You are different when he's mm, in the room. I am. That's true. That's true. It's like you have this... There's this part of you which is just like gets unlocked, which is very raw. And, and you, you've always been raw in your performance, but it's different. It's a different thing. I mean, he's taught me so much about magic. Like, he knows how to access the magic in a way that's so free. Like, I know how to access the magic. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> but my access of the magic is from a more cerebral place. He teaches me about like this openness to try whatever, whereas I'm quite mental. I'm like, mm, I want to make sure this sounds great. Mm, let me make sure this is the right hook. Mm, let me make sure my vocals are strong. He's just like, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? This is what I feel. This is what I think. I don't care. No apology. Bang. You know. So, so that's what I think. That's why I think you feel like that rawness, and yeah. there is that difference. It's almost like a safer. I feel safer somehow yeah. to just fail, to like be off, to be wrong. Well, the words set things up so beautifully in that song, and it really sets the tone for the whole record. It is equal parts hopeful mm. and understanding and wanting to show empathy, but from a place of like, I'm not going to be taken for granted anymore. Right. So all of the things you know about me are here, but they are going to feel different now than they felt before because mm. they're coming from a harder place. And it coming is. from a place of like, look, don't, don't take me. empathy for weakness. Right. Don't take hopefulness for weakness. Don't take any of it for weakness is, is what the whole album is saying. My gosh, I love that so much because that is so accurate. And that is a place I've really had to have to come to, have had to come to, to be clear about my strength, to be clear about my worth, to be clear about what I bring, to be clear that you really don't have Anything that you can say to me except, you know, who you are and respect who I am, I respect who you are and, like, give that space, you know? So being able to be strong enough and clear enough about yourself to be on your bush is, like, a really important thing. It's a good thing. And I, I'm liking it. So it's right, it's right in my zone right now. So that really does reflect that. I think whenever you, you take a step forward, ultimately, by, very, by the very nature of human existence, will reflect the next step you take. And if you think back to 2016 and here, mm. when I listened to here, here was such an incredibly beautiful and poignant ex example of the black experience. Faith, church, family, mm. resistance, all wrapped in love, all wrapped up into this very, very tight experience of you and a couple of people. Mm. And it was, it was really a community experience listening to that record from the interludes right through the whole thing. Wow. And I, and, I, and I sort of feel like perhaps getting through that was an important step towards you feeling like you could focus more entirely on yourself because you'd given something meaningful Here back. 
here is maybe my favorite album. It, it's so special to me. It, it, it carries with it such a magic, such a portal. It was the first time that I did something without compromise. None. I didn't give a sh. Don't come in here talking to me about what's the radio single. I don't want to hear it. This is my whole everything poured out from me. No hose bar, completely free. The way that the songs came, it was like it came down from a divine thing. And it was like, boom. And they would get written in 20 minutes. And I never wrote like that before I told you. So it was my opening. It was definitely my opening. And it did lead me to hear where I, here, there, led me to hear Alicia. Um, because I started to understand, like, wow. You know, look at all these feelings that you have. Look at all these thoughts that you have. Look at all these opinions you have. Look at all these ways that you're experiencing the world. Look how you can verbalize them. Look how you can put them into, into something that means something. And it was just the right combination of people and the timing and the space. And it, it really did open something in me that I never accessed before. And it taught me how to, like, go 100% for what I saw, my vision— that was it. It was myself, Hera Lily, Swiss, who I never thought I was going to work with yeah. on the ever. You know, that's just not how we flow. And like. he's so excited, too, because you can hear in the first beat, he dropped the Swiss rhythm. The first beat. It's like he couldn't even wait. He's like, the first one? Let me just hit you with the realness. It was so good. So hard. And, and Mark Batson, who is a genius, yeah. genius musician. And writer and and so that like core like that was just so cool to be able to lock in and connect with people on such a deep level. And then the amount of people I was letting in the studio at the time was like unprecedented for me. I just never I never like a full studio. So anyway, it was definitely a special experience, but I know that it opened a portal to Alicia so that there could be this vast array of me that I wasn't afraid to And access. others, and, and opening, opening yourself up to working with others and being vulnerable enough to show your process, to collaborate with a lot more people and a lot more producers and, art and ideas with people, that when you're as accomplished a musician as you are, you could sit in a room and press record with one microphone over the piano and mm. get it done in a day, mm. and you've done that. So that makes the experience of going out there and saying, okay, we've just met, but I like the kind of records you make, can we make something? That's a big bridge to cross after the success you've had, I can imagine. It's always been tricky for me, collaboration. At the very beginning, I hated it so much. I was, like, so uncomfortable. I just didn't know how to even sit in a room with another yeah. being. Yeah. I felt completely exposed. It was just too much. But over time, I've definitely learned to enjoy that process, and I do enjoy it because... There's something so crazy about what I bring and then what you bring. It's going to be completely different. And there's something about the merging of energy that's fascinating to me. And, I, and I, now I feel like that's another alchemy that's created that I'm, I love the process of. Um, so, yes, that process of being open and, and receiving what's meant to come from each person and, and creating something out of nothing is always, is always incredible. And actually recently... At the end of this project, at the end of the Alicia project, I went uh, back in just to, just to check. I was like, do I have everything? 
Do I have everything I need on this? Because, man, it's, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, and the world has changed so much. Oof. And I really went in by myself. And it was really cool to be back by myself. And I just stayed in that, in that space. And I was like, I didn't have anybody else's thought or anybody else's thing. And it brought me back to the remembrance of how important hearing myself is. And mm-hmm. so I was able to like finalize and finish up this, this Alicia record, which is only appropriate because it's Alicia. It's you. You know? At your most upfront. Mm. There are themes on that, that being one of them. Another one being time. Time keeps showing up. What we do with our time, not looking back and trying to revise history, to accept the mistakes we've made in order to pave the way for a brighter future. And, you know, I, I wonder what your relationship is like with time as you're starting to mature as a human being. Yeah. And watch your children grow and all those things that kind of put time into a different perspective than when you're a kid, you know. It's so fast. It's so fast. Is it just me or is time 1,000% speeding up? I'm pretty sure. It does. That scientifically is speeding because this is crazy. I mean, it is, it's wild. And, And somehow... I feel so much who I've always been. That's the coolest part. I don't feel like the time has changed me, which I'm very grateful for because I think time could really change you and time could really affect you in a way that maybe you don't recognize yourself. But me, I really recognize my spirit, even from that same girl from Hell's Kitchen Mm -hmm. trying to find everything to the woman I am now, I still feel that same spirit. And I'm just happy that I can recognize, of course, I'm more mature, I have more experiences, I'm more confident, all the things have evolved. But I can see in that spirit, that pure space, that I'm the same girl. And I like that. Self-awareness is a hard skill to maintain because of all the things we talked about before, the distractions, distracting opinions and such. How are you with other people's awareness of you? I think sometimes I'm shocked. I'm especially shocked when people tell me that I'm intimidating. I'm like, what? What do you mean I'm intimidating? And I hear that often from different people. Like, But often. inspiration and intimidation are often close to each other, right? Mm. Think about, okay, who was the first person you truly, truly admired and, was, and, and inspired you to be the artist that you are, that you really came face to face with? Can you remember the first time? It was, it was somewhere between Nina Simone and Mary J. Blige. Okay, before we even get to that, let me get to my question, which was, were you intimidated? I was. Yeah, so it's, it's mm-hmm. that's part of the trade. Mm-hmm. You kind of need to be a bit intimidating, I think, for people to get the full experience. Mm. Otherwise, they're like, I want some of my money back. <laughs> I guess you're right. And now I got to get back to Nina Simone, because this is a first. I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone on camera who got a chance to spend time with Nina Simone. Okay, I didn't get to spend time with her physically because she had passed by right. then. But I was so connected to her, like really connected to her in a way that I really felt like I knew her. And I felt her spirit. Obviously, I'm sure we all feel like this, those who love her. But I felt her spirit. I felt this. I felt in awe of her skill. I felt worthless to touch the piano after I saw her play. I remember being at Montreal Jazz Festival and 
it was at the very beginning, and Cloud, who started the whole thing, invited me to his maison, the little French spot. I, was, I never experienced all this stuff at the time. And he had this movie theater, and every recording of anyone that ever performed at the Montreux, which is, you know, one of the most famous festivals of all time since forever. It's the archive. He pulled out the entire archive. He said, watch what you want. And I was like, and Nina Simone was in the archive. And I watched in that theater by myself this woman majestically and flawlessly just flow between jazz and avant-garde and socially powerful thoughts and her audacity to be so queenly and so like, you can't even watch me, right? I couldn't believe it. I was like, she's not even real. So I feel like I know her. I didn't meet her though. Nina Simone was so active in her beliefs and what she stood for, Mm. but she was an artist too. And often... We can't separate the two. If someone decides to be fully active and to be an activist, it can come at the expense of their artistic Mm. impression. It's true. Because you make music, you get to a place where you want to inspire people and then you think, well, I can inspire more people by doing this and this is something I'm passionate for. But then you turn around and you go, oh my God, I've lost that. It's crazy because it's that. It's the music, it's that art, it's that messenger, that get to be as an artist, that paves the way for this access that you have to even talk to people at all. And you have been active throughout your entire career in ways that a lot of people don't even know about. Mm. Some they do, thankfully. And in your music, you've been saying, telling the truth all the way through. Mm, Thank you. And in recognizing that, I wanted to ask you that that at a time like this, Mm. going through the pain this country has to go through and therefore around the world as someone who has written songs and had moments of self-discovery and trying to urge others to discover this, whether those words change now for you, whether those songs feel different for you because it's the timeline for you that is different to everyone else who's waking up now. The craziest things about songs I do think is you start to understand them better the more that you've been with them. And what was the catalyst for the creation of it at the beginning turns into a whole other meaning or reason or thing you understand or identify with later. Yeah. And and it is definitely crazy. And I have to say, especially with this Alicia journey, because it's been, I think, obviously, we all know 2020 has literally been the most unpredictable year we've all ever had. And so all of these concepts of plans and, you know, big ideas we all had. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Right? From my perspective, the way music is showing up now is so pure mm. and unfiltered. I want to talk to you about one song in particular on the record, which the first time I heard it, uh, I had that experience I've had very rarely in my life where I, I felt, I got a feeling that it wasn't just the song, it was everything about it. It was the story, it was the words, it was all of it, but it wasn't a song, it was something deeper than that, and that was Perfect Way to Die. And mm. think about that, well, first of all, I've got to ask you where you were when that, I can't even imagine what you had to put yourself through to get those words out and write that song. 
That song is so... I think it's the perfect song. It is so... This crazy way to to speak from the perspective of another experience. Like the whole first verse is that narration where you're actually saying, simple walk to the corner store. Mama never thought she would be getting a call from the coroner. Said your son been gunned down, been gunned down. Can you come now? Tears in her eyes. Can you calm down? Please, ma'am, can you calm down? Like big, big love to Sebastian Cole, who is a brilliant songwriter. And this song and creating it with him and working with him on it, I would listen to him play. And every time he sang it, he cried. Every time. I've always been such an emotional being and so empathetic, but I have so much trouble crying. I can never cry. And I'm so mad at myself. Like, why can't you just cry? You know you want to. You know you feel it. You know there's so much pain. Why can't you cry? And he was able to access this deep, 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 guttural years, 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 hundreds of years, sadness that I just, it like transferred through me because he could cry when I couldn't. And that's happened to me all the time in the most craziest circumstances when there's no way on earth you could not cry. And this emotion of this song and this irony of there being a perfect way to die, which damn sure isn't being murdered by police. That's not a perfect way to die. None of this that we're seeing and we're witnessing daily is the perfect way to die or right or okay or tolerable or anything. It's... But that feeling... That could maybe just connect us all to the pain, to a sliver of the pain, is like, I wish it wasn't even relevant, and but it's more relevant than ever. When I think about what's going on in this country as someone who's lived here for five years, and I want to be part of the conversation, I want to help, but there are times I find it so loud, mm. so aggressive, that I don't quite know how to get in it. Because this side is just yelling, and this side is just yelling, and everyone's just yelling. And so how do you reconcile with beliefs that are opposed to your own? Because you make music that is so full of hope without sacrificing the need for change and the desire for change. There's no question what side of the what side of history you're on, but yet there seems to be a desire for those two sides to come together. In so many ways, you know, my blackness and my whiteness has been such a beautiful coalescing of perspective, 
to come to terms with dissenting opinion is interesting because I think that's exactly where we are right now. Where we've actually, I could be wrong, but I don't think we've ever been here before. Not even in the most profound, powerful civil rights movements of the past. I don't think we were exactly here where there's this unbelievable access and the word travels so fast and so far and people of all spaces, places, races are clearly awakened to the truth, which has never been admitted before, ever. Not really. You know, the ability to really see through the false propaganda that so much of America is built on, we know it. It is what it is. They did a good job hiding all the truths. They did a good job trying to cover all the things and erase all the truths and tuck it under and man and finally at the place where there's no more erasing, there's no more hiding, there's no more pretending, there's no more faking. And so I think we're actually at a place where we are able to have a conversation. Now, not everybody is as evolved and ready to have a conversation, but many are. Many, 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 many are. And I really believe that that is the place we are that is going to provide a breakthrough you know, a genuine breakthrough, a real one, because there's an investment, there's a level of investment to the conversation and to the desire to change the mentality of the institutionalized, colonialized mental fabric that everything's been built on and it's so weaved in there that we can't even tell the difference anymore. We ourselves are able to be like, okay, we can all agree that it's not working. Yeah. I mean, that's clear. We might not have all the answers, and a lot of people have some really good ones, and it's time for those things to be put into place, and it's happening. But we can all agree that it's not working. You know, I think that you've summed up so beautifully on that song, and I think that song is going to, is, is going to affect a lot. Of, I mean, I know it's already out, but when it's, as a body of work, mm-hmm, it's going to affect mm-hmm. a lot of people within the context of the album mm-hmm. because you finished the album with these two really powerful moments, Good Job being the last one. Why did you decide to put that on at the end? Why is that the last message for the record? Oh, man, Good Job is like that piece of reminder that people just don't hear. Imagine all the people in the world that never hear that they're doing a good job. They're working so hard. They're trying to balance a hundred things, work three, four jobs, get keep the lights on, keep some food on the table, make sure the kids have like a few clothes, try to work, try to hustle back, helping somebody over here, bring and it's like you don't feel like you're doing a good job. You feel like you're barely holding on, but you're doing amazing. Like look at what you look at what you're doing. Look at this person that you're raising, look at this opportunity that you're given, look at this kindness that you have, and you're doing such a good job. And I think that, you know, we're all just trying to do our best. And so many don't get the proper accolades. They don't get the proper recognition. 
and they'll never get the proper recognition. And this song really focused on that. Like, you might not have heard this a lot, but you are the engine that makes it all go. And you're always in disguise, my hero. I love that line. I need to know who the male voice is. If it's a male voice, unless you're, they've detuned you and put you through a vocode on, on author of it. Hey, Authors it? of Forever yeah. is actually Johnny McDade. He wrote that, that with me. That song's crazy. <gasps> that song is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite. The line, we are lost and lonely people and we're looking for a reason and it's all right. So let's celebrate the dreamers. We embrace the space between us because it's all right. We're all in this boat together and we're sailing toward the future. And it's all right. We can make the whole thing better. We're the authors of forever. And it's all right. Yeah. Chills. The relevancy of that right now is like, that's what's happening with this music that I can't even believe. The way that it's all meant to be right here, right now, yeah. is blowing my mind. I, I truly am. I love that you work with Snow Allegra. Ah, I love her. <laughs> That's my baby. Like, I love her so she much. She has such a timeless R&B tone. First of all, she's a singing fool. One. She's like a real bona fide singing fool. Yeah. Like she has a tone and a, and, a, and a vocal capacity that is very rare. Very special. I think people get it because they love her so much, and I see people really yeah. appreciating her vibe, but, like, for real. So our experience was so bananas because it was, like, on some— it was actually right before everything kind of shut down, and it was kind of some last-minute— so it was like, oh, man, you know, you should rock with Snow. Like I said, he's always up into the— right? He's yeah. the great connector, right? Yeah. You should rock with Snow. Oh, shoot, I like Snow. All right, well, let's see if we can say, oh, oh, look, she's coming by. Oh, shoot, she's coming by. Okay, hey, hey, how you doing? Good. Man, I was thinking something like this. Okay, and I was thinking something like this. Oh, what if we did this? And it was literally like, that never happens. And the sentiment of like, you saved me is so powerful because... You know, for everybody that's ever stood with me, who stood with you, who stood with her through all of our everythings and the times and the ups and the downs and the uh and the huh, you saved me. Like, you've been here the whole time with me, no matter what. And that's such a, to honor that relationship that you have with people and that I have with my fam, like people who have rocked with me. Yeah. Like, you've been here with me. Gramercy Park, what are you doing with that one? That one, it, it, it is. Who did you so work on that with? Me and Jimmy Napes, man. That's yeah. my guy, man. Yeah, I love that song. And it has this kind of timeless singer songwriter thing about it, dressed up in this warmth that's just like. And, and to me, it's, it's almost a real centerpiece of the album. Like, mm. very honest, very straight up song. One of the most, I think, one of the most powerful songs on the record. Oh my gosh, without question. And the pen. My personal, I've, I feel so attached and attracted to the way that we were able to write that song and the way that it evolves in such a realistic experience because that's what I was saying. I was saying, you know, you were talking to me about when did you discover that finally you almost didn't know who you were. And I was saying it happens in these little nuances and these little pieces. The next thing you know, you don't even recognize yourself. And that's what this song is about where you do it for the love and you... Alter yourself because you that won't won't they like that and let me make them happy and 
You do it for the love. It's not anything but for the love. And the next thing you know, you turn around and they don't even love you. Yeah. They love the person that you contorted and pretended to be, not because you were lying to them, but just because you tried to do what you thought they liked. And guess liked. what? Keeping that up is exhausting. But sometimes you don't even know you're doing it. And that's the thing that the, the awakening yeah. is very imperative because you can't, you know, and that's what I've been going through for sure. And I just feel like people really can understand how that happens when next thing you know, you're like... Well, because it happens in everyday life. It happens in everyday relationships. It happens in jobs and friendships. You don't have to just be an artist to feel that. People feel that all the time. Wow, I wake up one day, how did I get here? And why do I not feel comfortable in my own skin anymore? Right. Because, damn, I feel like I've created an environment which isn't true to my true self. Now you're falling for a person that's not even me. Because I forgot about the person that I used to be. If you can say that in two lines, you've got a song. That's it. That's all you need. So that's my song. Oh, my God. This is too fun. You should do this for a profession or something. You know what is one in this album which comes out and rides the, the entire wave. It's like catching a wave on a perfect, on, on catching, getting beyond your surfboard, catching the perfect wave and just riding it from one side of the bay to the other mm. is Jill Scott. <gasps> Somehow, you Sorry, captured the essence of Jill Scott with Jill Scott, <laughs> called it Jill Scott, <laughs> and put it on Alicia. We couldn't help it, man. Let me tell you. It's so funny. Back to Swizzy Magic, right? Yeah. Because he's always like kind of, sort of. He did that daggone, first of all, what the hell with my baby and Tim in this versus situation? Like, it's our survival tool. Yeah. It has been our survival. And I live with him. Yeah. And I know what's coming. Like, like, I know what's coming. It's a beautiful thing to witness what he's doing, but also witness you coming through in your own lane as you always have and watching the union just creating mm. greatness. And, mm. and yeah, this, this Jill Scott song, I just... So I was saying, he oh. did the daggone Jill Scott, Erica Badu verses, yeah. which was my personal favorite. I'm bugging like crazy. I'm driving home from wherever, and, like, I'm listening to the thing through the, through the car. And I'm like, I mean, I'm, a, I'm fangirling out. All the way. I'm singing every word. I'm bugging. I get to the crib, get out, continue. It's like a whole thing. And I'm watching these two queens and, and Jill and that daggone smile. What is that? That smile is the most beautiful thing I ever saw. She is illuminating everything. And after the thing was over, he's like, babe, Jill is on the phone. And I get on the phone with her and I'm like, you're, you're just, this is crazy. You're so, and she's like, hi, how are you? Like, this was so great. And we have our moment. And I'm like, why don't we, why haven't we worked together? Like, why? Why don't, why haven't we? This is crazy. And so she's like, I know, I did it. But I hope to come and let's connect. I said, yes, let's connect. Boom, left it alone. Go to that end part of the album where I went away by myself. And I was like, wait, what do we need? And what are we doing? Went to this super desolate area and it was just totally alone. And, and Swizzy, you know, he's like, babe, this, what about this vibe? And I'm like, ooh. And we start, and we start talking about this idea of celebrating, putting love on display. And, and, and being that confident and that, that much that you like, you, you, you have to put this love on display. And we're vibing, we're vibing. I'm like, ooh, what if it was like, what if I, what if I, what if it was like this, like some Jill Scott, like she was like, and I start m pretending to, to be, be Jill Scott. Scott. 
I'm just totally pretending Perfect. to be Joe Scott. And I put it down, and he's like, ooh, send it to her. Send it to her right now. And so my engineer, Ann Mancielli, who's been with me forever and is such a boss, um, she's like, so wait, what are we calling the song? And I was like, call it Joe Scott. Because I don't want to forget. Like, don't forget, because I'm going to know I'm going to send it to Jill. Yeah. Call it Jill Scott. Boom, called it Jill Scott. Talk to Jill. We have an amazing thing. She's so unbelievable. She's like, okay, you want me to do it? She did it. You know, went out her way, sorted it out, sent it back. Called me like, you know, the what, what you did was so cool. I was thinking, maybe I'll just do like a few backgrounds. I said, no, 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 no. No. What I did was pretended to be you. I need you to be you. <laughs> and she was like, okay. Came back, killed it as per normal. And um, Anne did these sick background vocals that were so outrageous. Like, if you could hear the difference, you could hear her mind, which is just ridiculous. And um, so then we're at, we're at the we're mastering. Are we calling this Jill Scott? Featuring Jill Scott? I was like, definitely. It's so good. You, had to, you had to see it through. <laughs> One of the things that you did recently, which I, I thought was incredibly inspiring, was you, you just dropped the entire facade and just went, this is me. How has that experience been for you in not having to play up to everyone else's idea of what an artist should look like? That was like something that I discovered that I didn't even realize I had been beholden to. I didn't even realize I had been beholden to it because it was such the expectation and the natural flow of things that I didn't even question it for one minute. For years, 10 plus years, I didn't question it. And then one day I woke up and I was like, oh, sh wait a second. And it was very, just a very personal experience, um, simply about, at, at, which was the beginning of my own self-discovery, you know, of really coming to terms with my own meanness. Again, you know, when is the moment that we actually stop and say, whoa, who told me this the whole time? Who's the one that gave me that? How many things I've come to terms with that I realize are not even mine? They're not even mine. I didn't even start them. I picked them up along the way from somebody else's fear or somebody else's, you know, what somebody else was told their whole life or someone else's, like, view of a thing. It's not even my view. That's not even my fear. That's not even my thing. And I've been carrying it all this time unnecessarily. So that was a part of me letting go of a lot of these learned behaviors that I thought were mine but they weren't mine. And so I had to start to ask myself, well, what is yours? And what do you want it to be? And so I had to experiment with it a little bit. You know, like, do you want it like this? Do you want it like that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm currently doing it. I'm still currently doing that. I think the, the bottom line was and is that I'm enjoying discovering who I am and who I want to be because it works for me, you know? And being really conscious about being aware of not falling into that same pattern that I've been quite often used to of doing things because it's what's always been done. But it's funny because you have a reputation as somebody who's always held on to your vision <laughs> and been very determined about seeing it through, right? It's something that you're known for, your independent spirit. One of the most common things that's talked about in, in interviews or articles about you is how you immediately established your idea of creative license. 
and mm. what you felt was the right thing for you. Mm. And yet behind the scenes, <laughs> you felt like it was all a compromise. It's so, it, it's true. I mean, I, I hear this so often. I hear, you know, even if I talk about my insecurities or I talk about my, you know, process of really understanding that I have self-worth issues or things that I, you know, really identify just so that I could understand, like, wow, that's where these things are coming from. People are shocked. What? Yeah. You? Yeah. Not you. I mean, you always seem so together. You always seem like you got, you know exactly what you want. And, and again, in those times, I did think that I knew what I want. And I, and I, and I think I was relatively clear um, about many things. But it's like, it's, it's, this, it's this nuanced effect that happens to us. It's not like a big, huge thing that drops on you all at once. It's the little pieces that you pick up along the way and store them in this memory bank and put them. And you don't even realize they're accumulating. And you don't even realize that they're actually affecting you in the way that they are. It's so tiny. It's so slight. You don't even realize it until you don't recognize yourself anymore. When did that happen? When was the moment when you realized you had to do the work? I remember that there was a very specific time, maybe it was about Girl on Fire, maybe, that I actually understood that somehow I got, I was put up on this pedestal, and I didn't know how the fuck I got up there. I said, who put me on that pedestal? Who put me up there? I don't want to be up there. I don't even belong up there. That's not even natural to my... What does it feel like when you're up there? It's horrible. It's like this unrealistic expectation. You know, you can imagine you're supposed to be damn near, you're supposed to be stone. You're supposed to be unflawed like stone. You're supposed to be perfectly crafted and shaped and sculpted into a thing that can't even move or evolve or change or grow or anything. And it is, I, I did not understand how I got up there because I never wanted to be up there. Your subconscious must be screaming that because isn't that what element of freedom is about to some degree? Definitely. I mean, well, it was the beginning, I think, you know, which I talk about a lot with the that word element. The fact that I even use the word element. <laughs> I know. What the hell was I thinking? It's great though. I mean, it's a powerful statement, but it's really, it's an unusual word to use. Like you've come off the back of like Songs in A Minor, classic debut album title, The Diary of Alicia Keys, As I Am. This is, okay, if I'm the, you know, this is a set. You're establishing an encyclopedic set of classic albums here, and it's like element of freedom. Like, yeah, it was a breakaway. And it's just so fascinating to me how I, and I thought I was so free and so completely in my skin and bold, and I realized that even that word alone displayed that I was only a portion. Yeah, you were starting. Yeah, I was just a portion of this journey. Well, also, you'd found someone in your life. Talk about unthinkable Wow, that song is so crazy because it's just like the greatest declaration. Joy. It's the greatest declaration, mm. that song. It's like you couldn't have said it more clearly without music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? Mm. And I suppose that in, in some respects, that I always thought of that album as being the beginning of this whole era for you. Mm. The declaration of new love, the discovery of a new relationship yes. that set you on a path for the magic as you talk about it right. and gave you the courage to start recognizing what was broken. Right. Oh, my gosh. No, I mean, what a memory and what a song and what a moment and to this, to this second. I mean, that's one of my favorite. That song is my favorite. It reminds me always 
to do the unthinkable. You know what I mean? That's exactly the point, right? Like, here we are always confined, always supposed to be smushed into whatever is right for everyone else. And, you know, imagine that you do the unthinkable. So, Alicia Keys. Alicia is the album. It's someone who has come to a point in their life where they recognize that they need to be their truest self possible, yet life is so much about control and Mm. trying to control and trying to hold on to things. Mm. We forget to let go. Mm. At this point in your life, Mm -hmm. as we come to the end of this conversation, when you think back to your journey and everything you've been on, from a young kid growing up in New York through the 80s and the 90s, raised by a single mum, to having unprecedented success, nine Grammys on your first two albums, millions of albums sold, finding love, starting a family, going through self-realization. Mm. How much of your life did you really control up to this point? <laughs> Therapy. Um, I think that I controlled my desire to continue. And I definitely kept, made the choice to keep pushing through. But outside of that, nothing. <laughs> Good to see you. Man, Thank you for this your time. is everything. Favorite interview ever. My latest conversation with Alicia Keys now sitting alongside a whole lot of conversations. They're really stacking up, actually. It's amazing. You know, when we started this podcast, (laughs) and understandably, I was very late to the podcast table, I wasn't entirely sure how quickly these kind of conversations were going to come or what kind of cadence it was going to take, but I'm really happy with the way it looks. And if you feel the same way, please feel free to add a review in the review section right here on my pod spot. Okay, we're back again very soon. I think Marilyn Manson is next. So uh, if that sounds interesting to you, then subscribe and we'll catch you next time.